live from the mysterious mist enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Oh, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the big show. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And listen, we have a fantastic topic for you all today. It's one that I think is going to raise a little bit of controversy, Emily. Sounds interesting. Do tell. And we've never talked about it before. What we're going to cover is how negative influences ruin perfectly good relationships. And what we're talking about there are these third-party aspects, these things that swoop in and maybe cause relationship problems, dating problems, even marital problems, uh, not caused by us ourselves. Oh, to relate thank with goodness. I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> we're not well, talking about my imperfections. Right, or mine either. Because after all, we're perfectly imperfect together, right? Well, it's because you're perfect for me. And vice versa. There you go. No, we're talking about things that kind of swoop in and cause trouble. And I don't know where this is going to go. I've developed a, you know, kind of a brief outline, just a few bullet points. But man, this could go in all sorts of twists and turns, and I think we should just get started. Sounds good to me. First thing that comes to mind is friends, people in your family who come and just say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and cause some sort of rift between the couple. The very first example that comes to mind for me, Emily, is the classic comedy device of a best man giving a speech at the wedding and just completely outing the groom for things his wife never even knew went on and completely humiliating him, right? Right. Well, you know what comes to mind for me is the family or the best friend who's either jealous or the significant other that's in your life isn't good enough. So they're constantly you know, put it in your head that he or she has flaws and that, you know, they're no good for you. And, you know, you could do so much better. And usually these people who give that kind of dating advice and try to tell you that stuff, they're no good at their own relationship, are they? No, it's funny because the worst they are at it is when they are more involved in yours. Right. You know, one of my earliest newsletters, I think, was titled, Never Take Dating Advice from Miserable People. Man, there are some miserable friends and some miserable family members. And the worst part about the family members is you're kind of stuck with them. Friends you can choose. Right, that's true. But your family members you can put in their place. Well, I mean, you don't want to throw away your friends either. You <laughs> no, know, that is true. Arbitrarily. But man, this is a real deal. I mean, how many guys have gone out with a woman and the woman starts telling all of her friends about this great new guy she's dating and they're like, well, sure, let's meet him. And then the poor guy gets dragged to some meeting with all the girls, all the BFFs, and he knows he's on display, and they ask embarrassing questions, or he does something embarrassing, and invariably, it seems, someone who doesn't have a boyfriend who's jealous tries to throw the wrench in the machine. Oh, yeah. I remember one particular time I was at this event, and we were playing spin the bottle the nice way. And the bottle. Is there a not nice way to play this <laughs> I the don't know. I've heard stories. So the bottle landed on one of my friends, and somebody decided to ask a really not so nice question. And mind you, her fiance was in the room with us. And so this person asked, How many guys did you sleep with? And she was really nervous about answering that question. She didn't want to really say, so she kind of threw a number out there. And he was really upset. It, it took him a few weeks to repair from that. 
I tell you what, those kind of social games that adults play together, especially the card games like Cards Against Humanity or Would You Rather, right? Those can ruin marriages. I mean, people have had very long, silent, sullen drives home from parties after those games have been played. Well, I know, right? Especially when you get the answer wrong and, and your mate's like, you should know that already. How long have we been together? You should know that by now. Oh, like newlywed game. Yes, that's right. Yes, the old newlywed game shows where they will ask the husband or the wife a question about the spouse. And then the spouse comes back and either humiliates themselves or the spouse oh, by getting it wrong. Yes. Well, the one, some of them were humiliating. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, it's bad enough if you're out with friends and it's between, you know, just a small group of people. But then you start doing this stuff on national television. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the humiliation? You couldn't pay me enough. That would be rough. Man. So let's talk a little bit more about this jealousy that third parties come at you with. And not only is it from family members, not only is it from friends, but it can also be from exes. Man, what if exes start showing up in your life afterwards, trying to break you up, thinking they somehow have a chance? I mean, on one level, that's to be expected. On another level, that's completely psychotic. I remember you used to have names in your phone <laughs> when we first got married. That's right. I did. I did not delete their names. Yes, that's actually wise, especially as dating relationship advice. You do not delete exes' names. You rename them. Do not answer one. Do not answer two. Do not answer three. <laughs> that was the convention you had. I think you had, what, about 260 of them? Do not answer number 248. Well, more like 300 and something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Who's counting, right? Who's counting? But I remember that, and they would, they would light your phone up. Yes. Six, eight months after we started dating. Yeah, definitely. That's rough. But, you know, I think you have to have a certain security in your relationship that you've chosen each other. This is why the whole problem with someone settling and having been settled for really, boy, that's where it rears its ugly head, isn't it? It can, especially when, let's say, if I had an ex who wouldn't leave me alone, you know, it'd be easy for me to say, hey, don't ever contact me again. Your history. But if we have a, a son together... Well, you know, you can't completely detach. You're kind of stuck there until the child's all grown up. And even then, you're still stuck together because you got weddings and whatnot. So in those particular scenarios, you got to find a way to handle those jealous exes. Oh, man. But this show wouldn't be complete unless we talked about baby mamas and baby daddies. Oh, the baby dramas. Oh, my goodness. Life wouldn't be complete without it. Well, you know, for the benefit of those who may be tuning in for the first or second time ever, both Emily and I have exes who are certifiable. Yes. Schizophrenic. Ruined Le our lives. Legitimate. And created drama until and beyond when our respective kids from previous marriages were 18. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't stop at 18. Sad to say. Yeah. When people are in your life, either from the past or they're still in your life by necessity, I mean, I guess there might be some situations where you might even still want them in your life for whatever reason, because you love them or whatever. Or another family member married them. Oh my goodness, yes. Right. The in-laws. Well, we have to get to the in-laws next. But when these people just can't be reasoned with, and they're not sane, and they're psychotic or even psychopathic, you got to figure out a way to just tell them what they need to know so they can't meddle. And you've got to 
try to keep them at arm's length somehow, but that's not always really easy, is it? Easier said than done. But the best rule is just give them only what they need and nothing more. Yes. And keep it short, sweet, simple, and end it quick. What I like to say is some people have forfeited the right to be part of the adult conversation. And we all have those people in our families, and we all have those people in our lives somewhere. I think there's a lot to be said for taking people who are negative in your life and cutting them out. But sometimes you just can't. No, and in those particular situations, you make the best with what you got. Now, what about children from previous marriages? A lot of times they're not so psyched about the new relationship, are they? No, but, you know, if you lay the rules out early and you let them know how your relationship is, that it's healthy, it's strong, you're not going anywhere, that your mom and dad aren't getting back together, and that's okay, but you still love them. Reassure them they need that. Well, here's another good question, kind of in line with what you just said, is how much influence should these other people have, including everybody from your kids all the way through family members to friends? How much influence should they have over a national relationship? I mean, if everybody's telling you, you know, the vast majority of people you know, regardless of age or where they stand in your life, family, friend, kid, whatever, that you need to run away from this person. You need to run away. Yeah. I mean, when there's a pattern there, you really have to see your forest for the trees. When people have no reason to be jealous, no reason to have an ulterior motive, they really honestly have a long history of caring about you and what you're about. Maybe you might listen. Well, absolutely. I mean, I have I have a distant relative who was told not to marry this young man. And his grandmother who raised him, not just some stranger, his grandmother who should by all rights love and cherish him. The guy's grandmother. The guy's grandmother tells her, don't you marry that man. He's no good. Yeah, you might want to at least uh, run that one up the flagpole. <laughs> well, and see if it flies in the wind. <laughs> she married him. And that man was no good. So she ended up getting divorced and, you know, leaving her with two children and destitute. And he beat her black and blue until she had enough. But when relatives tell you, you know, relatives who should love the person that you're trying to be with, tell you this stuff, you have to listen because there's some truth to it. What if you are dating someone that one of your friends or one of your family members used to date? That's going to create some drama. Ooh, that would be interesting. Now, here's something I have to ask in conjunction with this. Why is it so many people, when they decide to cheat on their spouse, cheat on their partner, or replace their partner with someone else, can't even leave the Thanksgiving table, let alone leave their own neighborhood and go find someone no one's ever met before? Why is this so darn attractive to people? Well, maybe it's because it's just easy. I mean, they're just right there. You know, it's just moved one step over. It didn't require a lot of work. But all the families that create these situations that just make Thanksgiving so awkward. It's crazy. It's like people look for drama. Go figure. Life's too short for that. Life is way too short for that. Um, The other thing that comes to mind here is above and beyond your friends, your family, your exes, what about people you work for, your employees or your employers? I mean, what if the boss starts making demands that are starting to cut into your quality time with your significant other? What if one of your coworkers is starting to flirt with you and be a little bit too close to you and you're spending time with them at work and it seems innocent to you, but 
you know, you're kind of boiling a frog there romantically. And as soon as your significant other finds out what's going on, it's going to create drama. Well, not only that, but you're running a risk of this really, like you said, a boiling a frog. You run the risk of falling in love or thinking that you're in love when you're not. And it's just simply infatuation and the emotions you get caught up in. And next thing you know, you're in an affair. Well, famously, what happens is, you know, my relationship has gotten a little stale. I'm kind of used to this person. Maybe I'm even sick of their face a little bit. And then someone comes along and they're interesting to me. And along with that, my spouse, my significant other isn't paying much attention to me anymore. I feel kind of neglected or even unloved. And then here comes this person. Oh, sugar baby. (laughs) Yes, right. And then they come along and they give that attention. Come here, lover boy. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) And then, you know, you're there thinking, oh, this is innocent. I'm just kind of enjoying this other person's company. But it may or may not be innocent on the other person's part. And you're toying with somebody's feelings. You're right. Right. Why is it some people just love to disrupt other people's happy relationships? What's up with that? Well, I think people get confused and they get caught up in the feelings and the emotions. You know, they're probably thinking, oh, you know, feeling numb and bored and in a rut with this person you're with. In contrast to the feelings of excitement and the naughtiness, you know, they might get caught up in that unknowingly and innocently. But understanding that that can be a trap is the first step to realizing you have to say, hey, you know, I don't think this is a good idea for us to go out to lunch today. I mean, if I had coworkers who were really good looking and who are very hot and who have asked me out and wanted it to be one-on-one. Kind of like your current coworker. (laughs) Well, I like that one. Oh, okay. He's all right. Uh, So back to my story. So I would have to say, I'm sorry, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. Oh, it's just, you know, we're just two coworkers. It's no big deal. I said, well, you know, it may not be a big deal, but I don't think it would be appropriate to do that because it would disrespect my husband. Now, you know what? As an aside there, you know, there seems to be this running theme and we run into it a lot in our coaching practice where someone has a member of the other gender who's quote unquote, just a friend and they always have been. But it's sometimes really hard for the other partner to grasp this friendship. Now, in our marriage, you know, we have lots of trust for each other, probably as much trust for each other as I've ever seen in a relationship. And because I trust you, and this is important, because I respect you, because we respect each other, I'm not going to go out to dinner with another woman and tell you, oh, don't worry about it, because I wouldn't do that to you. It just seems inappropriate. Right. Well, to clarify this, we're not talking about just business associates or things like that that are innocent or, you know, will go nowhere. We're talking about when there's actually sparks, when there's excitement, when, you know, you see the person and you get those butterflies in your stomach, not just someone who's like, eh, it's just old Joe. Yeah. And I think the combination of how much that's going on with how much you're denying it to the person you're allegedly in a relationship with and are in love with, that's where the big problems start. Right. Exactly. I mean, if I feel if I feel excited, exuberant, and getting... Horny? Yeah, okay. there you yeah. go. Then I know that's dangerous. I know I should stay clear away from that situation. Obviously, I'm not we know what we're talking fate. about here. 
We know what the other person's talking about, for sure. You know, it really boils down to what's important. If my spouse really feels that much jealousy, and if it really causes that much trouble in your relationship, you have to decide which relationship is more important. I don't want to tear relationships up, but there's a point in time when someone knows something more than someone else. Yeah, exactly. And what if the person's being a little heavy-handed, though, Emily? What if it's unreasonable for them to say, hey, you should stop doing this, go in there, seeing these people, hanging out with these people, and they really have this jealousy problem, and it's based on their own insecurities, are you still going to stop hanging out with everybody, stop even seeing your own parents, going out for 40 minutes to do the grocery shopping when there's really nothing going on, or you know, at what point does this get unreasonable? That's an excellent point, because what we're talking about there is a man who's controlling and quite most likely abusive. You it's describe, not gender specific. No, well, it's true. Women can be like that too. But that is an abusive relationship. And what they normally do, that that's the typical MO, is they tear you apart from your friends and family. One by one, one gets plucked off. And after a while, you'll find yourself friendless, literally with no one to run to, because that's that's the perfect storm for keeping you there and dependent. Well, sometimes they move you to a completely different location where you don't have any support network anymore. We've had yeah. to rescue women that way before. Yeah, for sure. You know, that reminds me of something else. We've talked about coworkers and we've talked about bosses, but what about a job change in and of itself? What if, for example, as we're used to here, I personally went from being able to work at home, be location independent, hang out with you and the kids all day long, and then suddenly I had to take a job where I traveled all week. I was gone Monday through Friday. Surely that would put some sort of pressure on our relationship. Well, there would have to be a lot of trust because the spouse would have to, you know, dismiss the idea that her husband or vice versa, the wife, isn't out there fooling around. They're actually there busy working. Well, also above and beyond that, what if the demands of this job or the rigors associated with it disrupted the lifestyle of the rest of the family members, and they weren't up for it. They were like, hey, you know, we want you to spend just as much time with us as you used to, but you come home at 9 o'clock after a 13-hour day or something, especially at the beginning of this, when you don't get any vacation, and they work you to death to see if you're going to burn out or stick around, and you just don't have time for anybody. And then you get blamed for it. And then there's resentment. Man, this seems like a whole Pandora's box that could be opened if there's that big of a disruption to the lifestyle, right? Oh, absolutely. And before you go into a job like this, or if you're already in a job like this, you have to have the open communication. Sit down and talk about it. Okay, I know this is hard on you. I know being in the house without in, without me being here and me being off doing all the fun and exciting stuff that at least you perceive might be fun and exciting. I'm working. But, you know, I'm sorry I'm leaving you here, but this is temporary. Let's make a plan. Well, actually, something else? On top of all else that comes to mind is what if you have to relocate for a job and you're uprooting your whole family or you have a perfectly good job here that you like doing. You have a perfectly good lifestyle, perfectly good social circle, and yet the other person is the primary breadwinner and y'all have to move. Oh, decisions, decisions, decisions. Yeah, it has to be a team effort, doesn't it? It does. And that's something that you have to sit down and... Have those long discussions, and more importantly, have these discussions before you get into a relationship, before you get married, so that when these things do really come up in the real world, in real life, 
you can handle them better because you have already developed a good enough plan as best as possible for such an occasion when it arises. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there listening to us going, oh yeah, sure. 2020 hindsight. Sounds great. But you know, let's tap the brakes for a second. A lot of couples really are afraid to ask hard questions of compatibility like this or what if or how will our relationship go because they're afraid of scaring each other away. They're afraid of a deal breaker coming up and all of a sudden they have to start all over again and this person wasn't as perfect as they thought. But you have to have these conversations. Well, for me, the thing that would be most scariest would be finding out right then while you're in the middle of a relationship, married, and your husband or your wife has taken a job in Alaska (laughs) and you live in Hawaii or, you know, somewhere south where the, you know, there's a beach and sun. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a dramatic change. We've seen couples split up and stay split up and then try to figure it out. How scary would that be? I would have rather had had this discussion before getting into a long-term relationship and seeing that this would be a, a possibility down the road. You know, I think there's also a Pollyanna-ish expectation we're floating right now, that you're going to be able to cover all these situations and talk about them before you get married, and you will be ready for anything that comes along. And I mean, rule number one in life is it's going to throw you a curve. Life's going to put you in a situation the two of you just flat out did not expect. No, it wouldn't be life otherwise. But what we're saying is where there is a possibility to kind of have these discussions of the what ifs possibilities would be great. For example, we live here in in Texas. And the one thing I could not do 15 years ago was leave Texas. This was where I was stuck. So when I was dating and it was serious or had potential for being serious, I had that talk. And if the guy I'm seeing, you know, saw that he was most likely going to end up moving in two or three years, that wasn't my guy. That was a reality. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to at least take a stab at it. You have to give it a good shot. You know, talking about the things you need to talk about before you get married, as many situations, as many scenarios you can go over that have what if tied to them, the better. And I think that's really just mature. But Ultimately, it's going to come down to that trust and how much you value that relationship together and standing side by side to get through whatever comes along instead of turning it into an adversarial situation, me versus you. Yeah, easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. But we can try. We're partners, right? Now, you came up with a couple ideas that you wanted to discuss in this show that I thought were really excellent. First of all, social media. I mean, social media... I've long said, I said this 10, 12 years ago, this is going to be the downfall of civilization as we know it. I think we're almost there, frankly. Someone slides in your DMs, you don't even know who they are, but they're sending you these pornographic pictures and pretending they know you. And next thing you know, your jealous wife is going through your phone and finds these things. And it's not even anything you did. Well, even text messages, I was receiving those myself. Oh, you mean the ones that I sent to Jen by mistake? Well, it was a female pornography for men that was being texted to me. So, I mean, at least I wasn't a guy with a jealous wife. Thank goodness. And you didn't even show it to me. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get it off my phone fast enough. Well, there you go. I don't blame you for that. But I think I need to tell these people who Jen is. Everybody's oh, wondering. Yes. Okay. Tell them. Our grocery store chain here in San Antonio, Texas, is called H E B. It's just what it's called. And so you don't go to the grocery store, you go to the H-E-B. And Emily and I have gotten into the habit of asking each other 
What would you like? Is there anything else you need? Right. You know, we're courteous. We care about each other. We think of each other. So really, what we'll do is if we go to the HEB, we'll just text the other one, HEB, right? Well, one unfortunate afternoon. Actually, it was sort of funny because we do have that trust for each other. One unfortunate afternoon, for better or worse, my my phone decided to autocorrect that to Jen instead of HEB. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, you know, wrong window. I'm clearly texting some chick named Jen. Well, the next one was like, what would you like? (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten that part. (laughs) But just as an example of the trust you and I have, you were just breaking up laughing when I told you, oh, my God, it's like supposed to be HEB because you can look at the keyboard and realize what happened. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a running joke nowadays. I forget about Jen sometimes. I know. I haven't I haven't asked you Jen as a question in a long time. <laughs> Probably for good reason. I guess autocorrect decided to be a good girl lately. Right? It's usually when they're uh, wanting you to upgrade your phone to the new version that they start sneaking in these autocorrect disasters. These, <laughs> these relationship-ruining autocorrect disasters. I guess that's a quick fix. Man, Apple really does suck, don't they? I'll tell you what, another thing you brought up that I thought was interesting was the idea of fictional characters. Well, where that came from is the people that we surround ourselves with, we tend to mimic. And, you know, usually there's an expression that you are who your friends are. And so that's true, too, with TV and with movies. And the channels in which we listen to has an effect, a profound effect on our personality and how we view and how we behave. And so characters on TVs and shows, if we watch them a lot, especially if a particular character has a negative outview or outlook towards something or someone, we sometimes unknowingly take that personality and throw it on our loved ones, especially our spouse. That's true. And you know what? That's a great parenting red flag, too. If you let your kids just immerse themselves in shows that have very whiny or negative or evil characters, the kids will start acting that out. Oh, instantly. I mean, yeah, 10 minutes brutal. of it and I already hear it. Oh, yeah. Remember the Caillou show? Oh, yes. Man, there was this whiny little boy in a PBS show named Caillou, C-A-I-L-L-O-U. And I've never heard of anybody named Caillou in real life before or since, and that shows probably why. And I used to call it a Canadian plot against the masculinity of American boys. And, you know, 20 years later, I think I was onto something. Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. too. The problem is the Canadians shot their own selves in the foot with it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a double whammy. Yeah, but you know what? The kids would watch that and get whiny. We had to, like, ban the show. Absolutely, we did. You see, not only are kids affected by this, but we are, too. And just because we're adults doesn't mean that we're immune to taking on these bad influences. Or you can be watching these TV shows and develop celebrity crushes and start imposing that, kind of projecting that on your significant other. Why can't I be more like Brad Pitt, right? Or George Clooney. Oh, gosh. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought you didn't like George Clooney. I don't. That's why you had that oh, much yeah, funny. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Emily famously doesn't think George Clooney's handsome and doesn't understand what women see in him, yet she's also infamously married to me. So go figure. But yeah, I think that's really a good solid point. The media we consume, the social media we consume, the news sources, the opinion pieces we read. I mean, I know couples who used to get along perfectly well, and then when lockdown started and they started reading these headlines got radicalized politically one way or the other. It didn't matter which direction. And then all of a sudden, couples are pitted against each other because they find that their political beliefs 
or should I say <clears throat> new religious beliefs? I mean, you know, it's a new don't religion. shout me down for telling the truth. They don't match up anymore. They're no longer as compatible as they used to be. Well, uh, some of the girls were getting together and they were talking about sister wives. So sister wives is this family where this guy's married to multiple women. I'm telling everybody, you all already know who sister wives are. When this whole situation happened, the dynamics of the family, they all separated. They went into their own little group. The women couldn't get along as far as those who had very different opinions on how to handle things. So it broke up that family unit of way they used to have it. That sounds really, really terrible. So terrible, I'm glad I never watched the show before. <laughs> but my point is, you know, social media and the outside environments of what's going on in a world can have a very profound effect on a family unit. And that particular family unit, to themselves, and I guess to some others, would view them as a very strong unit. But yet they weren't immune to outside sources. Well, here's a nice little convenient solution to all that. Why don't you actually continue to communicate as a couple rather than scrolling up and down your phone all the time while sitting right next to each other? Then maybe your brains won't diverge and you can still have a convergent communicative relationship. What a concept. I know, right? We see too many people doing that. And with that, we've come to the end of our all-too-brief time for this particular episode. Man, uh, this one hit the ground running and just kept on running and running and running. Like Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> run, relationship, run. So hopefully you've gotten something good out of this. And we will be back at you again real soon. But until we do, please go and check out one of two websites. If you are of the female persuasion, please check out www.scottandemily.com slash podcast, especially if you're listening to the X and Y on the fly show. And if you're a gentleman and you're listening to the Mountaintop Podcast, go to mountaintoppodcast.com. At either of those sites, you can sign up to talk to us for free for 25 minutes. And uh, if you want to speak to both of us. We're here. We're here. You can speak to either or both of us. And while you're at those websites, you can learn more about what we do. The programs that we have, including the relationship program we have, my one and only for women, and Get Together, Stay Together for men. Both of those are available to you. And you can also get in on either of our newsletters. Emily has a newsletter that comes out two times a week for women called Keys to Bliss. I have one that comes out daily for men on how to get better with women in relationships. And you can get on our newsletter list. Won't cost you a dime. You can cancel any time. And we will give you fluff-free information that is guaranteed to help you in your relationship life. We're here to help. Great conversation today. I've really enjoyed this episode. Time I had, flew. I had fun. Yeah. Maybe we should find this gen. <laughs> and have a threesome. Something like that. Well, we'd have a full tummy and an expensive <laughs> grocery bill. <laughs> anyway, until we talk to you again real soon, my name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. Be good out there. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. 
This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.